0: Welcome to Frankly Judaic, a podcast that explores cutting-edge Judaic studies research conducted at the University of Michigan. The medieval period in the Iberian Peninsula, what is now modern-day Spain, was a strange and volatile time, especially during the 14th and 15th centuries. It was strange and volatile because, for the past few centuries, the Catholic kingdoms of northern Spain had been waging war against the Muslim states in the south. And by the 1400s, the Christian Conquest, or Reconquista, was nearly complete. Muslims who had ruled the region now found themselves under Catholic rule, and many were forced to convert to Christianity. Many of these converts, known as Moriscos, were outwardly Catholic, but continued to practice Islam in secret, And, of course, there were the Jews, who for centuries had lived and mostly thrived under Muslim rule. But when the Catholics took power, many Jews, too, converted to Christianity. Some by choice, many by force. And like the Moriscos, many Jewish converts, known as conversos, continued to practice Judaism behind closed doors. And so, Iberian society was an awkward and confusing mix of Christians, Muslims, and Jews, and of conversos and Moriscos, who raised vexing questions about lineage identity and nobility were the converts truly christian compared to catholics of pure christian lineage and what about muslim and jewish converts who were highborn in their original faith communities did their exalted status transfer over to their new christian identities thus granting them considerable status in christian society scholars have explored these questions from a variety of angles most commonly looking at how Muslims grappled with Muslim identity and Jews with Jewish identity. Monica Colominus, a scholar of religion and Arabic at the Max Planck Institute in Berlin and a fellow at the Frankel Center, takes a different approach by looking at questions of Muslim and Jewish identity and nobility through a Muslim lens.
1: So when we take a Muslim view, then we can get a sense of on the one hand, the reach of such notions outside the Jewish communities. And we also can understand how these notions were put to work at the borders between communities. So for example, if we take treatises of religious polemics, then we can see how Muslims articulate their identities in front of Jews and which mechanisms were used for this purpose.
0: Muslims and Jews of high status who had willingly converted were at pains to claim legitimacy as true Christians, because from the point of view of the Christian majority, such claims were very much in doubt. For example, one anonymous pamphlet used the image and metaphor of al Barak, a hybrid animal that was a mix of horse and mule, male and female, that according to Islamic tradition Muhammad rode from Mecca to Jerusalem to accuse Jewish conversos of being inauthentic Christians.
1: The main idea is that Jews are not pure, they are a mix, they are a mishmash. And this is because they have converted, but in fact uh, they are still practicing Judaism. This is the same claim that is raised against uh, Muslims who have converted to Christianity but still keep practicing Islam in secret.
0: In other words, despite having converted, former Jews and Muslims were impure, lacking true Christian bloodlines unblemished by Jewish or Muslim ancestry. Conversos and Moriscos pushed back against these attacks, claiming that nobility and status ought not to be measured by blood and ancestry, but by the content and quality of their actions.
1: So... Since the majority is trying to impose these notions and these demarcations between groups based on lineage, this other discourse, which is much broader, it's claiming that if you, as a person, can achieve merit, you can go upwards in society, you can be a good citizen, you can have wealth, even though your ancestors were, for example, Jews or or Muslims.
0: A common strategy on the part of Muslim converts was to question and attack the status of Jewish converts. The Tayyid Amila, or fortification of the faith, is the longest anti-Jewish treatise published during this period. Written from a distinctly Muslim perspective, it attacks Jewish nobility by presenting alternative readings of the Jewish Bible. For example, the Jewish tradition reads the story of Abraham and his exiling of his concubine Hagar and her son Ishmael as confirmation that God has elected the Jews as his chosen people, embodied in Abraham's other son, Isaac. The Tayyid al-Mila reads the story differently.
1: The first part is focused on evidence found in the Torah that Ismail, who is the legitimate son of Abraham and the father of the Muslims, and that Muslims are God's true chosen people and not Jews.
0: It's worth pausing for a moment to consider what's at stake for conversos and moriscos. As was the case throughout Europe during the medieval period and for several centuries beyond, Nobility translated directly into status at the royal court and, just as importantly, into land holdings and wealth. And so, Jewish and Muslim converts who had enjoyed noble status within their former faith communities had a lot riding on attempts to gain recognition and validation from the Christian ruling elite. But the Catholic nobility was wary of newly baptized Jews and Muslims and their claims to noble status.
1: They are very close to the court. They are compared to nobles. In all respects, they resemble the Christian nobles, but they are not. So this brings Christians to suspicion, and Christians explicitly make stipulations saying that Muslims and Jews should not clothe with clothes that make them resemble nobles, that they make resemble us wealthy Christians.
0: In response, Jews and Muslims tried to reorient the very concept of nobility, constructing arguments to aid their desire to be recognized as true Christian nobles. One compelling example is Alonso de Cartagena, a prominent converso and author of the treatise in defense of the Christian unity. He
1: claims that there are three types of nobility. One is the civil nobility. It's partly linked to lineage, but you have also the theological and natural nobility, which is the nobility by virtue. So his idea is that Jews are not condemned by God or in condition of servitude because of their lineage, but because they cannot accept Christ as a Messiah. His claim is that once a Jew is converting to Christianity, the theological nobility is restored. So Jews had already this nobility, but it was a kind of latent nobility. It was there, but is at the moment they convert to Christianity that this nobility arises again.
0: Muslims, meanwhile, advocated for the legitimacy of their claims to nobility, in part by undermining Jewish positions. In the Kitab al-Mujadala, for example, the author draws on Jewish scripture and a variety of philosophical sources to argue for Muslim nobility by attacking Jewish perspectives on the significance of lineage.
1: The basic idea is the claim of Jews that all calamities in the world happen because of the sins of the forefathers. That's the claim that, according to uh, the Muslim author, Jews provide. And this Muslim author tries to explain why this is not the case. So he takes these two examples of two fathers, Solomon and David, and two sons, Rehoboam and Absalom, and says, look. Solomon, he sinned. He was a sinner. And God said, okay, I'm going to to punish you through your son, Rehoboam. But in fact, Rehoboam has not been punished because of the sin of Solomon, but because he also himself sinned. And he sinned at the moment he did not listen to the elders of his community. And then uh, Jeroboam took the power of the tribe. So the country was split into two two kingdoms, in the north and in the south.
0: The author makes a similar claim about King David and his son Absalom.
1: The second example of David, it's more or less the same. David sins. uh, He takes the wife of of his captain, Uriah. And God says, uh, I'm going to punish you through your children. But when Absalom is punished by, by God, it's not because of the sin of David, but because he decides to sleep with concubines of and, and the slaves of David. So the basic claim is that the two sons are punished because of their own sins, and not because of the sins of the fathers.
0: In other words, while Jewish converts may have been stained by the quote-unquote sin of their Jewish lineage, Muslim converts were free from such ancestral constraints. What mattered was not that their ancestors were Muslim, but that their virtue in conduct as good Christians was proof enough of their nobility. These examples of how Muslims, Jews, moriscos, and conversos negotiated their identities in Christian Iberia are relevant for us, Kolomina says, because they help us understand the challenge facing minority Muslim communities in the West today
1: and how they still managed to keep their belief in Islam and their, their norms. And then we see also how important it was the struggle for social and for religious excellence with others. So this is, I think, the most important thing to be taken from this podcast.
0: That does it for this episode of Frankly Judaic, a production of the Gene and Samuel Frankel Center for Judaic Studies at the University of Michigan. The executive producer of Frankly Judaic is Jeffrey Weidlinger, the director of the Frankel Center. You can find the Frankly Judaic podcast anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And we hope you'll leave us a five-star review on iTunes.
1: Thanks for listening.